But I just have one scripture, just a, just a simple one verse scripture for you here this morning, and it's Jeremiah 33, 3. A number of years ago, I memorized this one as a, as a prayer promise in my personal life, and, and I just, I, I just want to uh, pass this on to you here this morning. Very familiar, very familiar passage, of course, and, and all of those things, but it is Jeremiah 33.3. Don't you just love this promise? Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me. I remember when I was called to East Liverpool first, that would probably be, I remember the interview, man, that, that would be clear back in the fall of 91 or somewhere around in there. And I remember walking into the room, we walked into this classroom and the podium was at the front, the DS was up there and there was a table and we walked into this room and we didn't see all the board, but we just kind of walked in and we turned around and on the back row of the church board interview, there was a group of about five older men, the saints of the church, and it seemed like they were all sitting back there with their arms crossed and they were just kind of frowning at us and looking at us and say, all right, who's the next victim coming in here for an interview? And uh, I'm watching and I'm thinking, oh boy, this is going to be really interesting. But to make a long evening short to let you know, an hour and a half later, we were joking around and talking to each other and we were making friendships and it ended up, uh, that church ended up being one of the best experiences we ever had in the full-time ministry. There was uh, one of those men that had his arms crossed and was frowning in that, at the beginning of that board meeting was a man by the name of Dean Talkington, a very memorable man. He had, he had something that he liked to do every time I got done preaching. I'd go back to the back, and I would greet people as they're going out, and he would just look at me. I'll never forget the first time he looked at me, and he looked at me, and he said, Pastor, I want you to know I still like you. I still, I thought, well, after that, in spite of that message, I guess, or whatever it was, I still like you. Here was his philosophy. He says, you know, the Word of God tells us we're supposed to love everybody, but you don't have to like everybody. But I want you to know, Pastor Larry, I really like, I like you. <laughs> Dean Talkington was a part of what at that time they called the Monday morning work crew. Monday morning work crew was a group of the, those frowning men in the back of the room and some others that would get together on Monday mornings and they would just do odd jobs around the church property. Huge church property there and I don't know how much money over the years they might have saved the church but it was a great ministry. They had a philosophy, it was kind of a three-pronged philosophy that went like this. Their three priorities were this, prayer, donuts, I like that part, and then work. And I thought, well, that works for me. You know, donuts before work, that'll work for me anytime. But also, don't you notice the top priority in those three, prayer, donuts, and work? The very first priority, I think, sends a message to this church, all of us here on this Sunday morning, prayer. If I could offer you one thing as we exit here this morning, it would be this prayer, the priority of prayer. Isn't it interesting that the Word of God just simply says to us here today, call to me, 
call to me. The, the invitation has always been open. And those men taught me a lot about prayer. People that I've uh, worked with over the years in churches just like this have taught me about the priority of prayer. And little did I realize back in those days of prayer, donuts, and work that um, Dean Talkington's family was going to need a lot of prayer. Dean has passed on, but this past week, one of his grandsons, Jared, I had his funeral over in Pittsburgh this past Wednesday. Jared was in the army, and he was over in Iraq, and he was victimized by one of those roadside bombs, and he had to recover from that, and he was also exposed to a lot of those fire pits that were over there in those days. And sometime after he came back to the States, the doctors discovered that somehow in that process, he had... Uh, gotten cancer. And so about 15 years ago, so back, it seemed like he got it all beat, and he went on, and, and, and he was married, and he had a couple of kids, and life seemed to be going along really well until about a year ago, and then Jared started noticing some things happening. He went back to the doctor, and that uh, cancer had come back with a vengeance, and it had taken over in his head, and other parts of his body, and it just became a very difficult situation. Little did I realize back in those days that last, this past Wednesday, following the untimely death of a wonderful young man, I'd have to stand before Sheena, his wife, my daughter's bestie in high school, and the family. What do you say in a situation like that? And I'm so glad that I went into that funeral home armed with the Word of God and I could say to them, God says to you right now, and He says to His church here this morning, call to me. It's a, it's a simple but profound invitation. Call to me. That's the prayer. That's prayer. That's what it's all about. If you want to know the definition of prayer, here it is. Call to me. Well, you got a need, you got a question, you got something that you're going through, divine perspective is needed, life's overwhelming you, the body is failing, whatever difficulty you may face today, it might be a dear loved one that's passed way too soon and you miss that person desperately here, here this morning. I want you to hear the word of God today, call to me, call to me. A couple weeks ago... I had the privilege of preaching at our home church, and between the two services there at Shepherd, I was in the sanctuary, and I saw this man come in, and I'd never seen before, and he sat clear back in the back to the left of the platform. I'll just go over and say hi to him, went over and greeted him, and he had a walker that he folded up, and it was right there in front of him, and he, and he sat there, and I sat down next to him and introduced myself, and he said his name is Bob, and and, and I said, uh, how you doing these days? And he looked at me and he said, I'm having a real tough time. And I thought he was talking about something physical because of that walker. And he, he says, it's been a long time since I've been able to be in church because it's just, it's just so hard to get myself together and come out to church. And, 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 and I looked at him and I said, you got, you got some things going on, what is it? And he said, about six months ago, my dear wife passed away. 
And he said, I miss her so bad. I, it's just hard for me to get up on Sunday morning and, and come out and be a part of church. And that was once again a healthy reminder to me that on any given Sunday morning, it is wrong to assume that everybody that comes through those doors has their act together, right? Because through those doors come the lonely and, and the hurting and, and sometimes people who are racked with guilt and they're lonely and they're lost and all of those things that are going on. And the Lord's invitation still stands to those who need Him the most here in this sanctuary this morning. Listen to what He says, call to me, call to me, pour out your heart to me. You see, it's then when the, the good news also continues, not only call to me, but look what he says, I will answer you. Wow, that's good news, isn't it? Somehow, some way, he's in the process of answering. I think one of the most encouraging stories in, in all of Jesus, in all of Jesus' parable had to be the unjust judge and the desperate widow. Do you remember that? Here was a judge. He didn't care about people. He didn't respect God. He didn't care about anything, much less this little powerless widow that was coming to him. Day after day, she was saying, give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice against my adversary. She kept coming. He said, I don't care, until one day he said, you know, I'm getting tired of her coming to me. I think I've just got to go ahead and grant her justice against her adversary just to get her off my back so she won't hassle me anymore. Isn't it interesting what Jesus said about that? Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Why this story? The Word of God says this. Jesus told us this story so that we will all pray, we will always pray and never give up. Whatever it is you're praying about, whatever it is that you're calling out to God for, continue to storm the gates of heaven. Continue to call out to Him because He is preparing an answer. It may not be anything like you may think it will be, but He is preparing an answer. I got good news for you today. Are you ready for this? God wants to talk with you. There's not an exception in this room. God wants to have a conversation with you. Think about it. There's no need to cajole or wear him down. Just call to him, Father, Father. I know you recall the Lord's Prayer. Our, our Father. Someone has said that when, as soon as you say our Father, the best thing you can do is picture him saddling up right next to you. You're sitting at the table and you're praying. You say, my father, look across the table. He's there. Uh, you may be out walking on the trail. I, I do a lot of uh, praying when I'm running and walking. You know, right next to you on the trail, you say, my father, guess what? He's right there. He's down on the other end of the couch. He's there in the car in the passenger seat when you're driving to work and you're just trying to find a few moments to pray and you say, my father, he's right there. Picture him doing all of those things. And I want to tell you here today, he's ready to interact to you and do not be intimidated by the silence. Why? Because sometimes during that silence, should I say all the time, he's preparing an answer. And, 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 and I just realized this week, guess what, friends? 
And the answer to your call starts with his presence. You see, that in itself is an answer to prayer. You're, you're familiar with that chorus that we used to sing, God is so good, he's so good to me. I love that part that says God answers prayer. He's so, he's so good to me. I, I love his presence in my life. You know, I know he, he, he's always been there when I called to him on a place called Cricket Hill. Some of you new, newcomers town people know what I'm talking about. Cricket Hill. You'll recall that last Sunday, my grandson Gavin was with me, and he piled all those gym balls in my arms to see how many I could hold. Gavin and I, we took off, and we went back down 77 to Newcomer's Town, and we stopped and had lunch at Wendy's. <laughs> and then we went on into Newcomer's Town, and we pulled up to the church, and there was a couple coming out of the church, and, and it was familiar faces from years ago, and I looked at them, Jim and Myra Marinucci, and I said, guess what? I'm not surprised that you are the last people out of the church here today. And they showed us all through the church again, and we went down, I went down memory lane, and I bored Gavin with all the details of what it was like in those glorious days of yore. And then we went up through the town, and we went by the parsonage where we used to live. Actually, the parsonage used to be, at a, well, it's a place called Snob Knob. I used to live on Snob Knob, you know that? Man, it was big time there in Newcomer's Town. But there was also the top of the hill, Cricket Hill. And after we were at the parsonage for a few moments, we drove by. And Gavin had been saying all the way up here, look at that hill, look at that hill. It's flat in Columbus by comparison. Look at this hill and that and the other. And I said, Gavin, I'm going to show you a hill. And we started up Snob Knob. And we got to where it turned to the right, and I could just hear him kind of go, oh, my. And he looked, and the car was like this, and we were just kind of going up this really, really steep hill. And we got to the top, and we turned around at the precipice, and I had him look down over the hill and all of the beauty of that scenery. And I said to him, Gavin, this is Cricket Hill. And I said, Gavin, you know what I used to do years ago? I would get out of the parsonage with my little fold-over note paper. We didn't have all this stuff that we have now. and had all those names that I was praying through, the names of families, the Herseys, <laughs> you know. And I'd go down through there and I'd pray through those names. And then I'd pray through some of the needs and challenges that the church is facing. Do you know that every church faces challenges? Doesn't that just amaze you? It does. And uh, I'd pray for the Georges. And I'd go down through there, all kinds of names. And I said, Gavin, one of the things that I found out, and this is why I'm so thankful for places like Cricket Hill, Matter of fact, there was a place you, you could go out through and jump this little fence, and on the other side, you could actually look down on parts of Newcomer's Town, and how many times I had the privilege of just going up there and looking down on the town and saying, Lord, this town is yours. 
You want to know something? New Philadelphia is his as well, right? (laughs) And I thank God for places like Cricket Hill because it's been in settings like that that I have learned over the years, and I'm still learning the power of prayer. Talking to God is the best thing you can do, especially in times of consternation and sorrow and difficulty, right? Cast your all, all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. So that's what I did with Dean's grandsons a couple of weeks ago. Jared and Cliff. Jared was in a hospital bed. His brother Cliff set up a video call. And there they were. Jared was having a good day that day, and I was able to talk with him, and we prayed together. Dear Jesus, help Jared. Give him strength for these moments. At that point, they were giving him three to six weeks to live. Little did I realize how quickly he would go downhill after that prayer. A week later, he was gone. But during that prayer, we didn't just stop for a prayer for strength and all of those kinds of things, we also added this prayer. And this is a prayer, this is probably the most important prayer you will ever pray. Dear Jesus, have mercy on me. I've sinned against you. Dear Jesus, would you come into my heart? Take away my sin, Lord, and help me from now on out to live for you. To live for you, Jesus. And we got done with that prayer, and I said to Jared, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to say this to him. I said, Jared, I want to reassure you that any time in your heart that you want to pray to him, and you want to pray that prayer, and you want to give your life completely to him, God is open, and he wants to hear your prayer, and he's saying to you today, call to me. Does does God answer prayers like that? Oh, yes, he sure does. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just as basic as John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, if you haven't already done it, it's time to ascend the heights. It's time to go to the high place of prayer and turn your life over to Christ. It's time to do it. You see, eternal life awaits. And I've been thinking about those two words, eternal life. It seems that this would fit well under the category of a a further piece of good news from this passage. Call to me. I will answer you. And here's the third. This This is the big point right here. I will tell you great and wonderful things that you do not know. Uh, That phrase, I do not know. I, I don't know the why behind all that's happened this week. Why we had to go to Pittsburgh and and lay to rest a precious young man and see his widow and those two girls. The questions abound. 
But I've been thinking these days about this. Maybe the more important question is this. Why should he love us so? Why should he love us so? Years ago, somebody wrote a hymn, Love sent my Savior to die in my stead. Why should he love me so? Meekly to Calvary's cross he was led. Why should he love me so? Can I, can I offer an answer to you here this morning? One word, grace. Unsearchable. Undeserved. <laughs> Beyond belief, grace, the Apostle Paul. Do you realize the Apostle Paul back in Saul days, he was really a terrorist. He was striking terror into the Christian church. And what happened to him? He celebrates it in 1 Corinthians 15. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But I love what he adds. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Thank the Lord. And all of this serves to remind me that not only in the bad times, but in the good times, we celebrate the grace of God and the invitation still stands in the good times. Call to me. Call to me. Can I say it again to you today? Congratulations. These are good days in, in the life of this local church, and what a privilege just to be a brief part of the history of this church, and in a couple of weeks, your pastor will be with you, and I encourage you to be a pastor maker. You say, what are you talking about, Larry? I remember when I went and interviewed at my first church, when I got there, one of the board members came up to me, and they said, when we were getting ready to call you, the DS got real quiet with us for a few moments, and he looked at us and he said, you now have a choice, church, church board, church. He said, a church can either be a pastor maker or a pastor breaker. And I want you to know something. I know that you are a pastor maker. And I just encourage you to continue that tradition in the life of this church. And, and you say, well, what does that mean? Where does it start? Uh, can I just say to you today, it starts in the place of prayer. It really does. Pray for Pastor Jones. <laughs> Thank God for your new pastor. Thank God for his family. Take care of, 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 his, of his wife and his sons and, and call out to God for wisdom for him. This is always an overwhelming thing to stand before God's people. I can tell you that. And I still feel that in my heart here today. How, how can I best explain pastors? We're a tough lot to try to figure out, aren't we, sometimes? Maybe, maybe the best way I can put it to you is this. Pastors, pastors are a lot like a brand new ball glove. Yeah, a brand new ball glove. And you say, well, what are you talking about, Larry? Hey, I've got a brand new ball glove here with me today. It was my birthday this past week. I have an old glove at the house that's about 30 to 40 years old. And I just realized when I got this, this is a horrible thought. This is the last ball glove I'll ever own. Because if, if things go true to form, you know what? I'm not going to need another one until I'm about 105. <laughs> so there we go. And I was looking at this and thinking, you know, pastors are a lot like 
There's the baseball again, by the way. Pastors are a lot like ball gloves. And then I looked down in here and I thought, oh, no, well, this illustration's breaking down because, see, this is a Rawlings glove and it is the, it reads down in here, Renegade, the Renegade series. And I thought, yeah, that's what pastors are like. We're just a bunch of renegades, right? <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. We're going to move on very quickly from that and say, and say this. Let me... Let me uh, find something here that will be helpful to me. What do you mean, preacher? Pastors are a lot like brand new ball gloves. Well, I saw this. This is called breaking in a glove. You ready for this? Ooh, that's small print. <laughs> rub, rub in a small amount of glove oil into the glove. Play catch with your glove to form the glove to your hand. After playing catch, place a ball in the pocket and wrap the glove closed. I did that the other night. It works. And then here's the one that I thought was really brilliant. After all that, it, it said, listen to this. This is awesome. Playing catch is the best way to break in your glove. Playing catch is the best way to break in your glove. Now, I'm not saying in a couple of weeks when Pastor Jones comes in here that you all show up with ball gloves and, and, you know, the call to worship could be play ball, you know, that kind of thing. You don't want to freak your new pastor out on his very first Sunday here with you. But what I am saying is this, pastors are a lot like, they, they do need people to play catch with them. In other words, what I'm really saying, and maybe this is a little bit of a stretch, but they, we, we need people to get in the game. Get in the game. Be a part of what's going on around here. <laughs> Be a part of the answer, because all the challenges that we face. Be a part of the answer. Be an encourager. Pray for your pastor. Thank God for your pastor. <laughs> Go ahead and play ball. Church, it's okay. It's okay. Be a pastor maker. Oh, Jesus. May it be so. May it be so. God is so good. He's so good to me. You know, one of the, one of the best ways that I know of in all of history, should I say the best way in all of history, to talk and to illustrate how good God is is through the sacrament of communion, the bread and the, and the cup. And we're, we're going to, on this Family Sunday, we're going to take time to do this together. What a great teachable moment for our children. What a great teachable moment for all of us. When, when we call you forward to, to partake or to take of the bread and the cup. This isn't just for, you don't have to be a member of this church. You have to be someone who has decided Jesus is Lord of my life. You have to be someone who's maybe making the decision here this morning, you know, I need to pray that prayer. I need to call out to God, and you're seeking His grace in your life today. This is, this is for you. We, we have some that are going to assist us here this morning, and we'll just ask you to come and 
and be prepared and as they're coming and and preparing our our uh, uh, staff and others that may be helping us here this morning. I just want to read something to you. Jesus uh, uh, inspired Paul to write these words in 1 Corinthians, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank the Lord. People of all ages, this is for you here this morning. A reminder of the sacrifice <laughs> that he has given for all of us. Shall we stand, please? Lord, help us as, as we... Um, partake of this bread and this cup here this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you care for us. And uh, we can sense the heart of God coming close, and we're near to the heart of God here this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for that truth. Bless us now, Lord, as we um, come and receive Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a brief word about procedure. Uh, most of you know, we're just going to have you come to the center aisle here and just come down and make your way, and then you can just make your way back to where you're standing right now. If you'd like to come and receive these elements and those from the sides, uh, uh, you'll be able to come, and we have people here ready to serve in the transepts as well. But feel free to come. The bread and the cup are in uh, two separate cups here, and you'll be able to receive those. And I would just encourage you to hold those until everyone has been served, and then following that, I'll give further instructions, and we'll partake together of uh, Holy Communion. Feel free to come, starting here at the front. God bless you.